0: Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, a partner in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, and you're listening to Elder Law Issues. I'm chatting, as I so often do, with my partner, Elizabeth Freeman. Elizabeth, um, nice to see you. We took a little hiatus, you and I, in order to have me talk to staff members, which I think we will do from time to time, but we're back at the mics.
1: Hi, Robert. Happy to be here.
0: Excellent. Uh, One of the questions that we have gotten from listeners and clients is about how to convey information to your heirs or to your personal representative or trustee or whoever it is that will be looking for your stuff. How to convey information about what there is, what's important, what to look out for, what additional information they have. It's a big problem, isn't it?
1: It can become a big problem, Robert, yes. And I think that Things go in a couple different categories when we're working with people and they've completed their estate plans and they're trying to get organized so that when they die, whoever's gonna manage their estate has a good roadmap. One of the things that I tell people is, if you have valuable personal property, whether it is a piece of art, whether it is a rug, whether it's a piece of jewelry, if it's valuable, has a monetary value that's significant, so say something more than $2,500, it would be great to have some kind of a appraisal, or some kind of specific information about that thing, because we don't want to have an executor going through your jewelry drawer and thinking something's a fake. It is
0: a it is an issue that comes up again and again. I'm a big fan, as many of us are, of watching Antiques Roadshow on PBS. And the other night, I was watching an episode where somebody talked about a picture that they paid $30 or $25 or $50 or some kind of nominal amount for at an estate sale, and it turned out to be worth a hundred or more than a hundred thousand uh, dollars. Of course, doing what I do for a living, estate sale was the part of that story that that picked up my ears. And I know that happens. We had a kind of a, f- a famous or infamous case in Tucson, where somebody bought a painting out of a out of an estate sale, and it turned out to have significant value. And there was litigation about who was responsible for not catching that. So if you have something of value don't don't just assume everybody knows. You need to make a record of that. So what do you think? Put a sticky on the corner of the of the picture?
1: You know, Robert, I, I would avoid doing that. It's not a bad idea, but I'd like to see the information consolidated. It could be a Word document that you print and you update it every time you purchase something or an Excel document. It'd be great to have a printed copy of that with your estate plans. Anytime you purchase a new piece of art or something significant tangible personal property that might be in the home, that's a great thing to email us about. You can send us off the receipt or a note that you wanna make sure we include in the file. What I would tell you is, is that, Robert, when we see an executor who we call a personal representative, in Tucson, going through a house, one of the things they're looking for is often a binder of estate planning documents. That's a great place to put notes about things like the value of a particular piece of property or even a receipt if you have it. The other thing that I would say in terms of helping the executor or the personal representative really get organized, if you actually still have a safety deposit box, which I, for various reasons, don't really recommend. I would tell you, keep that safety deposit box key with your estate planning documents. Be very clear about where the safety deposit box is. Because that's another thing, Robert, that we have people go in circles over because they think somebody's, old vehicle title or special piece of jewelry is in a safety deposit box and in fact the safety deposit box um, might not still be it might not be in existence when somebody dies but there's been somehow family lore around where this thing is
0: or it might be empty another common problem a lot of anxiety goes into getting it open When you get it open, there's nothing in there. Why didn't people just close it out and cancel the contract? I I need to go back and say, when I said that about putting a sticky on a piece of art, I was like making a joke. (laughs) I have an an appraiser friend who once heard me say something like that, just jokingly, and came up to me after my presentation and said, don't ever say that again. Because when people do that, it it can ruin the value of, of pieces of art. So please, people don't use the stickies either to identify the property or to identify who it's going to. We will help you with both of those things. One of the things that we regularly do when we prepare an estate plan is we give clients a, a little folder, um, a, a document that we have called over the years, what my family should know, just as a way of of being uh, and an something that the family might look at when they're going through your stuff. We like it kept, uh, as Elizabeth says, with your estate planning documents, and it would be great if you could fill it out or do something like that, even if you don't completely fill it out. A few pieces of information will always be more helpful than no information at all. And that's a form that we're happy to give you a new copy of it uh, if, if you have misplaced yours. It's a form that asks about all sorts of things. What assets do you have? What accounts do you have? Where should we look for your life insurance? And also, what kind of uh, funeral arrangements do you want to make or what have you already made? We have had cases where people have, uh, family members have come in, have arranged the funeral, completed it, and then found the paperwork that there was a prepaid arrangement at a different facility. Stuff like that, it's really important to collect and to provide to your family members and your executor or personal representative or trustee or whatever the, the person is, whatever role they fill.
1: Robert, your note about the personal property list is a great note. I have people who regularly update this and that's terrific. What we want you to do every time you update your personal property list is get rid of the old one. Make sure that if you have updated your personal property list, you're printing it out, you're dating it, you're signing it, you're identifying it as a personal property list because gosh, it can be really hard as an executor to sort through four or five different lists not being sure what the actual date was. And sometimes you can have conflicting information in those. And so I would tell people who are listening today, if you have somebody who is going to do some appraisals for you, that's terrific. You don't have to have the appraisal Actually, be the personal property list. You can refer to the appraisal or make a note about value on the personal property list. We want that list to be something that you can do yourself, that you're comfortable updating either in your own handwriting or printing and and then signing and dating it. I, I think that folks, what we try and get across, Robert, is when somebody has done an estate plan, you've signed your documents. If you start to create other ancillary documents outside of a personal property list that give direction, you need to be careful because your personal representative, your successor trustee, the people who are involved with the administration of your estate, are going to be looking at the terms of the documents that you signed, those estate planning documents. If you start to do letters, you start to make notes, that conflict in any way with your estate planning documents, that can be really hard for a personal representative or a successor trustee.
0: And we've been talking about physical assets, things like artwork and books and, and, uh, and also your accounts, but we haven't really talked about kind of the, the advancing frontier in this area, and that is all of your online assets, your Bitcoin account. How does somebody get into your Bitcoin account? You can leave it to whomever you want to in your will or trust, but if they don't have the password and access to the account, they're gonna have a very hard time and it may actually be impossible to collect the assets. So uh, as we move into this brave new electronic world, it becomes increasingly important to collect all the information. Do you have a CD that you bought from an online bank? You may not have a paper statement, you know, Elizabeth, when I first started practicing law, 40 years ago almost, uh, I told people um, in this circumstance, don't worry too much. Just put, in a, put a forwarding order on your father's account or on his, uh, his address, and pretty quick you'll find everything because you'll get monthly and quarterly statements. Not true anymore. You might not get any statements uh, that may be one of the attractions of, uh, of an online account. So if you are somebody who has an online persona, uh, make sure you give information about uh, account numbers, locations, login information, so that your personal representative or your trustee can find it.
1: Robert, I think those are all good pieces of advice. For those of you who are listening today, and all of this seems like an overwhelming proposition, remember, We're not suggesting that you you label every single piece of personal property in your house that you own. You do not need to do that. You will have a clause in your will, your pour over will, your trust, that actually specifically refers to the tangible personal property list and separately, describes what needs to happen if something is not listed on the tangible personal property list. So please don't feel like you need to start making an inventory of your pots and your pans. Wait, you and, mean I,
0: I don't have to count my forks?
1: No, and you don't need to count your Tommy Bahama shirts either, Robert. So, <laughs>
0: oh, good, because I can't count that. High.
1: Well, the, the point is, is that as somebody who has a lot of stuff, my husband has a lot of stuff it is an overwhelming thought to start to make a list of our personal properties. So we started actually with the 10 most valuable things to us, and when I say valuable, that either means valuable because of the monetary value or valuable because of the sentimental value. And when we actually sat down, it wasn't anything more than about 10 different things that we actually cared deeply about who received on our death.
0: So one last point that I wanna make, and then I think maybe we can move on Um, from this topic, and and that is that if you are the person who is going to be administering the estate, you're the successor trustee or the personal representative, uh, and you don't find the what my family should know or it never got filled out, um, what are you supposed to do? How do you get information? Well, there are lots of ways you can try to tease out information don't panic, but, um, but it, it, it can be a large job. We also have a checklist for people who are in that role, things that you may think of, uh, of doing or you may need to think of doing that ranges from taking care of the pets to trying to find the life insurance. We will be happy to provide that to listeners uh, on request. And, um, and it's a good starting point for some of the questions that you you have to address. It can be a pretty seriously overwhelming job and so let's just revert as we close to you the person who is doing your estate planning how can you make that job easier for your successors? Well you can do that by documenting what you have where it is, what it's worth, what's significant what needs to be dealt with and what needs to be dealt with quickly and you can get all that information to your successor trustee your personal representative your your next of kin the person who is named as a beneficiary it would be really good if they had access to that information last words elizabeth
1: give it away during your lifetime
0: i knew that was going to be your last words and i I completely concur and uh, just served it up to give you a chance to say that I'm Robert Fleming. I've been talking with Elizabeth Freeman, who is my partner, uh, one of my partners at the law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. You have been listening to Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast, and we hope that you will do that again next week. We will talk at you then.